okay, Drew, I've made a decision. Uh, 2020 has just gotten to a point where I'm not taking a line down anymore. Uh, you know what? I'm not going out in 2020 like Jack Porkins getting taken out by some cannon that couldn't hit any other X-Wing in the sky, but it found him. And he just gave up the ghost right away. No, I'm going out. If I'm going out, Drew, I'm going out like Arvel Crind. You know who Arvel Crind is, Drew? Do you know who Arvel Crind is? No. Arvel Crind is the A-wing pilot that when he heard Admiral Akbar's order of concentrate fire, fire on the Super Star Destroyer, he decided that there were things worth dying for. And he flew his A-wing right into the bridge of the Super Star Destroyer, making it crash. So you know what, Drew? Hold on a second. Is, is, is that a bong? Uh, <laughs> no, it's a bottle. Hold on. Oh, okay. It sounds kind of like a bong. It's a family show, Carl. It's not a bong. It's a bottle. I'm trying to catch up to you. Oh my lord. Well, I mean, that's that's going to take some effort on your end. I don't. I don't recommend it. <laughs> oh. That water is not nearly as alcoholic as I was hoping it was going to be. No, you want, uh, you want vodka for that. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> take take all right. a breath, man. I had a moment. Yes. I had a moment. Yes. I had a moment. Uh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the angry one, remember? I know. I know. And Drew, you have to ask yourself, if I'm becoming the angry one too, how bad is 2020 really getting? Um, yeah, it's, it's, so, uh, it's pretty bad. Okay, so we're here. We're back. I had a moment. I've recovered. We're going to do 2020 Arvel Crin style. All right. That's what we're going to do. Let's go. Okay, so, folks, welcome. We appreciate you joining us. Um, we got some We got some stuff to get into. We've got some stuff to talk about. I think it's going to be a really fun show, really interesting show. I've been looking forward to the show. It's Tuesday night. Is it Tuesday? Yeah, it Tuesday is. night. It is. Um, we unfortunately weren't able to record over the weekend for, we'll just say life reasons. I, I don't like Friday. We couldn't do it. And Sunday we couldn't do it. So I don't know. Um, life, life finds a way. Yeah. Life finds a way. So we're here we're recording. Uh, but before we get into all the other stuff that we got to get into, um, the reason for my kind of like anti 2020 rant today is that um, a legend has slipped the mortal coil today. Uh, we received word that Eddie Van Halen uh, succumbed to throat cancer today, dying at the age of, I believe, 66. Um, far, far too young. Um, and this this one hurts. This one is a gut shot because, like, as, as you and I have discussed, Drew, we're kind of getting to the age where our childhood is starting to leave us in very small, sometimes very painful increments. Um, for my early uh, teen years, like early or mid-teen years, when I, like, you know, got my driver's license and whatnot, uh, uh you know, days before social media and, and cell phones, obviously. So you just, you got a bunch of friends together, you piled in the car and you drove around and you just, you looked for something to do, you know, probably end up in a mall with no money in your pocket, nothing to buy. Um, I had like a fairly solid core group of friends that would, you know, 
I would drive around. And if you rode around with me in, in those days, uh, in the Thunderbird, just cruising around the album, uh, for unlawful carnal knowledge was definitely on heavy rotation. Um, there was also like a couple other Van Halen albums, but that was the one where um, I really got introduced to Van Halen and just really enjoyed them. I've, you know, for better or for worse, uh, you know, my Van, my Van Halen is the Hagar Van Halen. You're, uh, more something than something of an oddity. Van Halen. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? That's right. uh, more than the uh, David Lee Roth Van Halen. Um, so yeah, and this was like this was a a key part, uh, a key a key cog in the and the, these very pleasant memories I have is this you know obviously the music and like so many so much of that great music uh, from the nineties, um, and so hearing that he passed away too, I know he'd been battling throat cancer for a long time, but you know just being another thing on top of another thing on top of another thing that that has been this year so this one really hurt today when when i got the news i actually um typically if if a musician passes away and and that musician is at impact on me like one of my my immediate reactions is to uh start listening to their music so you know after you know, the shock of it and everything settled in. I put on from awful carnal knowledge. I was down in the office working and, you know, just very uncharacteristic of me. And for lack of a better term, I drew, I just started to rock out. I was banging <laughs> my head. I was air guitaring. I was spinning around the chair. I was air drumming. I was just, and I just felt a lot of, aggravation and frustration that had been like pent up and building up over there just kind of leave just kind of exit the body so you know maybe it was as eddie giving me one last you know pleasant memory saying you know just just use this music to get this stuff out so um eddie van halen not being with us anymore uh, really really sucks and um so yeah, but but as we've discussed many many times before, Drew, uh, uh, I I listen to music. You make music, so when you hear music, you hear music very differently than I hear music, and you can interpretate and appreciate music on a much different level than I can. So tell me, tell the listeners why Eddie Van Halen was so important to music, and why he is truly a legend. Um. He more or less <clears throat> is responsible for the modern, I'm air quoting, I, guess, I don't, this, I'm trying to find the best word for it, but he reinvented uh, guitar playing, basically, um, in, in, a, in a way that the only name before him that could have such uh, an honor would be Jimi Hendrix. So, like, Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing and style... Um, completely upended what everyone else was doing or thought was possible with an electric guitar at the time that he did it. So when he came out of the gate, it was just a complete, you know, sonic boom, pun intended, uh, to the guitar community. Um, and suddenly you had guys who were trying to copy Eddie Van Halen, 
and you had guys who were struggling to figure out how he got the sounds he got, you know, he, not just his playing, uh, you know, reinvented the, the, the electric guitar, but also like his approach to the instrument itself. Um, his choice of guitars, his choice of like parts made guitars, different necks on different bodies with different pickups, kind of all hacked together, kind of, um, different effects different hot rotted amplifiers to get his you know his sound this was all radically new wild stuff that no one had ever heard before and um with talent to boot and uh on top of that he could also write you know amazing songs as well uh van halen had how many hits and it's not just because of his you know exceptional guitar playing it's because he was also a gifted songwriter um that gets lost along the way for a lot of guys, and I, I like to, um, <laughs> I always champion the songwriters over the technical marvels. But Eddie Van Halen was was a guy who had both, so um, that's that's kind of how he uh, really that that's his legacy to me. I was never a huge Van Halen fan musically. Um, you know, they have hits. I don't dispute that, and they're good. They're good tunes. They just weren't necessarily for me. Um, but his his impact as I mean I'm a guitar player and like I've grown up in a post Van Halen world so like the doors he opened up and in, for the instrument um, cannot be understated so you know I certainly appreciate his impact in the guitar world um, can, like hit the amp that he created with PV the 5150 is still the de facto gold well one of the gold standard heavy metal amplifiers to this day every single band in the last 30 years probably has used it tracked with it or has it on the record in some form or fashion. Um, like it's, I'm not, and I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. It's a standard metal production piece of equipment and that's his, he made that. So, um, you know, it's, it's a huge, huge loss. I can't say I'm surprised. Unfortunately, um, he smoked his whole life. I'm pretty sure he smoked. He was probably smoking till the day he died, unfortunately. Um, but uh, last year, David Lee Roth made some statements, and he didn't necessarily say in as many words, but if you read between the lines, he, he intimated that Eddie was not long for this earth, unfortunately. The cancer, um, yeah, throat cancer, but it, it had spread, unfortunately, to other parts of his body and his brain. And, you know, cancer is terrible, man. It spares no one. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 it sucks. It's a tragedy. Um, six, and it's it's amazing to think that he was uh, 65, 66 years old, and yet somehow it feels like yeah. he, it. It feels like that's he that that's still that number like shocked me because I I thought he'd be older, you know, at this point. But you know, yeah, um, I, I think the yet, reason for that is still too the, young, you know. Yeah, and I, I think the reason for that is because we are of an age to where we be it where music became a thing to us where we started to comprehend music like he was part of that thing that was already there like you talk about how i love like you know metal your love metallica my love guns and roses and and you know those are things that were kind of there as we began to have music as a part of our lives so his we we never knew a world without Eddie Van Halen. Right. And we never knew guitar playing without his influence. Yep. So yep. I, I think that's kind of the thing that makes it feel like he should have been older. So, 
so yeah, it's, it sucks. It's a crappy way to have to start. Uh, obviously we, we wish the, the best to his family and friends. Um, and we thank him for everything he gave us, but let's move on, Drew. Let's, let's, uh, shed the, the Valley of the shadow of death and, and move on to more positive things, things that we enjoy talking about. Um, let's let us seek the, the joy and the goodness in, in our time together and share that with others. So we don't have to focus on so much of the, the unfortunate that's happening in the world around us. So that being said, sir, how are your weeks? Well, I wish I could transition to something cheerful here, but, <laughs> but um, ah, oh, stressful. Apparently I need a roof, Carl. Apparently I need a roof. I saw that on the Facebooks. That is uh, what we say in the Italian world, a spicy meatball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not happy about this, but uh, that's the world I live in. So um, it's it's fine. We're getting some uh, some quotes on it and whatnot, and we're refinancing right now anyway. We have a lot of equity in the home, so I mean, there will be money made available to get the roof put on. It's just money that I didn't anticipate spending on a new roof in this home. So, eh, not the super best news this week, but that aside, um, I also did some cool stuff this week. So, um, for one thing, uh, I uh, celebrated my 10th wedding anniversary. I believe you did too. Ninth. Ninth. Ah, okay. Well... 10 for us. We share the day. Yes. October yes. 1st. That's correct. Um, you, you guys were one year ahead of us. So um, my gift from uh, my lovely wife for our 10th anniversary was a outdoor pizza oven. And it's pretty baller. Ooh. Not going to lie. It's pretty baller. Um, so I've been enjoying that. Uh, cranking out some wood-fired pizzas outside has been a lot of fun. Um we hit up we 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 you know got brave and went to a uh we we couldn't do dinner so we did lunch the dude the dude makes dinner difficult in any capacity yeah. so we did lunch while he was at daycare at um stolot um it's a polish bar uh, attached to a polish bakery attached to a polish like pierogi uh place in the eastern hills mall um okay nice you know very nice actually i uh first time i'd been really inside of a restaurant in six months um or more now and uh it was you know i felt okay everyone was you know at their tables far enough away and servers were all masked up and everything so you know um safe as you can be food was excellent i would definitely go back although i'm not in a hurry to go necessarily anywhere it was an occasion so which is why we went but um in a alternate reality where this wasn't a thing, I would definitely go back uh, to that place fairly regularly. So that was fun. And then the day after we took Grant to the children's museum uh, at Canal side. Okay. That I recommend highly. Uh, if, if you've got kids, which you do um, super, super cool place for kids to like learn a little stuff, you know, learn some stuff and also just kind of like, go crazy and have fun. And it's really, really just big, 
uh, cool little exhibits. There's like car stuff for them to learn on. And like, there's like a, there's like a pretend car on a lift that they can put tires on and like go under the hood and do stuff and learn about how cars work. <laughs> there's uh, a whole water based f- exhibit kind of thing where they can like learn about how dams work and how, you know, it, boats work and, and that kind of stuff, you know, canal side and whatnot. Um, the third floor has, uh, some sporting stuff, Buffalo being, you know, pretty, pretty big sports town. Um, and, um, a farm exhibit where they can learn about farm animals and farming and yada, yada, and just, just a, a really overall super cool. It's just strictly for kids. I mean, little, little kids, especially, um, probably around William's age and to like 10, maybe were really appreciated the most. So, uh, we were there for, I don't know, we, we were there for an hour or so and Grant just went nuts and we had a, you know, it was nice. It was good. So, nice. um, that was pretty cool. Um, that aside, I'm not up to too much. Same old, same old, um, playing golf story still, <laughs> hopefully nearing the end. Although I do enjoy the game, but it's like, I, you know, I'm, I, my backlog is starting to grow and I want to get into another game and I'm definitely, um, every time I try to do more than one game at a time, it just never works. So I'm doubling down on golf story. And then when I can take that off the list, I'll move on to something else. That's about it. How you nice. doing? Yeah. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, past couple weeks have been, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of game related stuff. That's good. Actually, I actually have two reviews first, which I'll get to momentarily. Um, I finished the rise of the red skull campaign for Marvel champions. Uh, very challenging and also very enjoyable. Um, having to go through it, it was a expansion that came with, five uh new villain sets and two new heroes and the villains were crossbones uh absorbing man taskmaster zola and red skull and the new heroes were hawkeye and spider woman and just really enjoyable and fantasy flight games who designed the game of course making it so that you can uh, play any one of the villains in the standard mode of the game by themselves. You don't have to play them in the campaign mode. So that was very nice. Uh, so yeah, there was that. Uh, we also got uh, we got Mario Thirty Five. How's that going? This have you tried it yet? I've not. I've not. It. It is good. It is enjoyable. Um, it does not have the intensity that, say, Tetris 99 has. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's basically... You don't have to have... Now, I say this, and I haven't won a match yet. But, like, any time... I've lost the match. It's been because of my mistake, not something another player was able to do to me. Um, so you don't really have the intensity and the stressing out that you do when you play Tetris 99 that you do when you play this, but it's still enjoyable. Like it's fun when you've got, you know, you've got the fire flower and you see a line of like, 
dozen or more Koopa Troopas and Goombas coming at you, and you just lay into them all. Um, but and one of the things that kind of I think detracts from the experience from it is that you can set it up once you get to a certain point in the game. It does not take long to get there at all. Uh, but once you get to a certain point in the game with the coins you're able to bank, you can set it up so you start the game with firepower. Okay. And, is that, isn't that like cheating? That, I kind of, because like you don't, you don't have to really do anything to get that. It's just like Come on. Don't don't give that to me. Start make me earn it. Yeah. Uh so yeah, so Mario 35 good. Uh fun, it's free. It's a limited time, so if you have a Switch, I would recommend it. Um and so like you mentioned, there was an anniversary. The wife and I had our ninth wedding anniversary. Uh we did not really go anywhere so much again, everything being closed. 3 year or 4 year old so on and so forth. Um, but I was able to get her, and this is my first, like my first review. I was, I decided to take a chance because she's been exercising a lot and she's been doing, she's been on diet. She's been doing amazing on it. She's lost 20 pounds already. Um, she's been doing so great, but one of the things she tries to do is planks throughout the day. Are you familiar with planks? Uh, yeah, I am. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So she tries to do them multiple times throughout the day, but William being a four-year-old says, oh, this is time to kind of have fun with mommy and whatnot. He's, you know, climbing all over her and whatnot. <laughs> so, and so they're not as effective as they normally would be if she could just, you know, do them. Uh, so in an effort to assist her with that journey, I, took a chance and got her a uh, ring fit adventure for the, for the switch. Uh-huh. Uh, now, if you were to, if you were to tell me that if you came to me and said, Hey, I'm going to get Jen, this thing, that specifically workout thing for an anniversary present. My initial thought would be, no, don't, don't do that. That's not a good idea. Um, because, Typically, if you buy a significant other, that it almost says that you're implying something. Even if you have a very understanding significant other, you don't want to take that chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, you know, 2020 has been bad enough as it is. How much worse could a trip to the emergency room be? Uh, so I took a chance and got the the Ring Fit Adventure for it. And Drew, this thing is really surprising. Uh, this is a legitimate workout cleverly disguised as a game that's and, what i've heard about it like it's kind of like it's like we fit but they uh somehow made it more gamey they made it more gamey they made it just i think overall better um she absolutely loves it she's been playing it like crazy she was playing it uh before i left her record here now um and she's really enjoying it and she's always like you know sweating at the end of it it's it's a legitimate workout and you unlock more stuff to play as you as you go in it so anyone who has uh been somewhat interested in this thing but not quite sure 
I definitely recommend it uh, for a pickup. I may start uh, using it myself at some point. Go for it, man. Do it to yeah. it. So, which brings us to our second review of of the week. Oh, Drew. Oh, oh, Drew. Every, every in, in the dark shadow that is 2020, a little, a little light has fallen. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a little light in the gift in the form of Star Wars Squadrons. And coming, when this was announced, I was like, okay, it's been a long time since we've had a Star Wars game solely dedicated to ship-to-ship combat. Um, this has always been like an aspect of a lot of the games released, but I think it, uh, since the Rogue Squadron games, uh, the last one coming out for GameCube, I believe, was Rogue Leader. Leader. Uh, it's been that long since we've had just like a stri- strictly ship-based game. And you and I have talked about this a lot. We've mentioned it a couple times on the show that I've really wanted. Like I, I've really wanted a game that was a heir to the X-wing and Tie Fighter PC games, but I didn't think there was a way it could be done on a console. Like I thought the the best console that I had a shot at it was actually the Wii U because the second screen touchscreen actually opened up a lot of interesting possibilities for that. Uh, but oh boy, Drew, have they! Have they done it? And I think, uh, I know we, we are big on giving full credit where full credit was due. And Drew, I have to give full credit to, to Electronic Arts, to EA. Um, they've really turned it around with the Star Wars license. Because they had a disastrous launch of Battlefront 2. and like saying it was anything short of disastrous is underselling it. And by all reports, Disney was obviously very unhappy with it. And apparently had some, there were some conversations had with EA saying, Hey, write the ship or we're pulling the license. (laughs) Uh, So they turned around and turned battlefront Two into an incredible game. They kept loading up with content upon content upon content. And as far as I know, they're still adding new content to it. And this game, I think, is at least two years old. So, And then they came out with uh, Jedi Fallen Order. And they said, right off the bat, single player, no multiplayer, no microtransactions. Um, you know... There's the game. Have at it. And the game was good. The game was was really enjoyable. Um, so they had that. And then they announced Squadrons. And then they announced that Squadrons was only going to cost $40. And, I, and immediately I'm like, hmm. That, that's suspect, something, right? Something's fishy. Yeah. What do you do in EA? You don't, you don't like to throw away money when you can clearly make people pay for it. Um, so yeah, it definitely seemed kind of fishy. And then more and more reports coming out about what they're doing in the game. They said they're taking a lot of Q 
cues and whatnot from the PC X-Wing TIE fighter games. And, you know, more and more stuff came out. They came out with some great uh, character introduction uh, sort of little vignettes. Did you watch that one I sent you? Um, I unfortunately did not. Okay, that's fine. Um, it was incredible. And so the the game launched, and they've said, to this point, they've still said, there's no DLC planned. They wanted to sell it as a complete game. They understand that it is relatively light on content, which is the reason for the price tag. So let's get into this. Uh, this game is freaking incredible. And everything I've wanted out of a Star Wars space combat simulator for a long, long time. It feels very much like the old uh, PC X-Wing and TIE Fighter games and also the old Wing Commander games. So more of a sim than uh, a arcade space shooter kind of game. Right. Cool. Right. This very is cool. definitely simulator. So there's two there's two aspects to the game. There's the story mode and the multiplayer mode. The story mode is short. It's six to seven hours at the most. And for the most part, it is an instructional video for how to play the game. Uh, that being said, just because it's short doesn't mean it's not good. It's a very good, tight Star Wars story. Picks up relatively soon after the Battle of Endor. The Empire's kind of on their heels. They've been retreating a lot. Um, and you play through the game as a member of Titan Squadron for the Empire or Vanguard Squadron for the New Republic. And you play through both aspects of it. And the story's good, it's tight, it's a, like I said, it's a, it feels like a Star Wars story. Uh, the, the crux of the story is the, the New Republic is constructing a new uh, battleship called the Starhawk. And they're basically building it out of parts of old Star Destroyers. And so uh, Vanguard Squadron is trying to help the ship get completed. And Titan Squadron is uh, trying to destroy the ship. So I would definitely recommend, if you are going to get this game, play through the story mode in its entirety first. Because A, it's not very long, and B, it's going to teach you a lot of things you're going to need to know about the game before you jump into multiplayer. So let's get into the multiplayer. The multiplayer has two modes to it. There is either dogfight mode, which is uh, two squads of five, just straight up uh, team deathmatch going at each other. First team to 30 kills wins. And then there's also a fleet battle mode. And this is kind of where the game really shines. Uh, the fleet battle mode is, again, two squadrons of five with AI backups. And it's kind of a tug-of-war battle. So there's two sides to the map. And each side of the map, uh, there's a flagship. There's a Mon Calamari MC-30 for the Republic and a Star Destroyer for the Empire. And the first part of the match is basically you're dogfighting in the middle of the map and to see who gets the momentum shifting their way. And if, say, the Empire 
gets the momentum shifting their way, then the Empire can then move on to attack the New Republic's light cruisers. And so the New Republic can either push them back to attack the Empire's light cruisers, or they can destroy the light cruisers and move on to attack the flagship. And attacking a flagship is not an easy thing. You can't just fly at it and necessarily expect to live. Like they're, These flagships live up to their reputation as they, they can wipe you out very quickly. Um, so the, the modes for multiplayer, while light, are both very high quality. There's not a ton of maps. There's six maps. Um, each of them varying different obstacles and whatnot to them. Uh, each side has four ships for the Republic. There's the X wing, the A wing, the Y wing, and the U wing. And then for the empire, there's the tie fighter interceptor bomber, and then the tie reaper. Uh, so each side has a ship in a class fighter interceptor bomber and support and the ships all feel very different from each other and you can unlock upgrades and uh, do different loadouts on your ship customize them the way you want there's some cosmetic customization you can do to the ship you want to be like red squadron in an x-wing or blue squadron or like gold squadron in the y-wing there's all that stuff um, as far as the play control, this game is hard. <laughs> it is it is hard and has a very high skill ceiling if you're not willing to put in the time. You can't... I think in my first match, I maybe got two kills. And I want to say, Drew, there are few things more satisfying than scoring a kill in this game. Like, I played a game last night where I had 14 kills, and I felt like I had just gone, like, 200 kills to three deaths in Call of Duty. <laughs> just, like, it felt so satisfying. Um, again, it's a simulator, so it's not, there's not a, getting a beat on the target can be hard. Um, no button on the controller is wasted. Every button does something. And the intensity in which you're flying, like you have to manage your ship. You're not just flying your ship. So if I'm in a Y-Wing and I'm heading at a light cruiser and I'm heading at a Star Destroyer and I want to try and do a bombing run on it, I have to shift all my power to my shields and then I have to redirect my shields to the front to give to allow me to kind of give me the best chance to survive the onslaught. Um, and then, but the problem is that leaves me vulnerable from behind. If a fighter comes in, it can easily pick me off. Um, it is challenging to learn how to optimize your ship because you're doing more than just flying it. You're managing its power. You're uh, trying to repair it. You're doing your, you're shifting power as you're chasing someone down. Like if I'm chasing someone down and I and I can get a beat on them, I'm shifting my power to my weapons. But if they're outmaneuvering me, I'm shifting power to engines so I can either keep up with them depending on what they are or just to try and build up some boost and get out of there quicker. It's incredible. The the level of fun and intensity that this game brings 
it has exceeded my every thought and wish for this game. I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's probably my game of 2020. Wow. That sounds like uh, everything you wanted and more. Yes. And, very, at, and, and at a $40 price point, which is, again, pretty uh, impressive. Yeah, I would, I would highly recommend trying it out. Cool, cool. Do it. <laughs> do it. So, Should I let okay. the English see me do it? <laughs> yes, you would let the English see you do it. Uh, so, okay, that is our week's. And folks, we would love to hear from you. Tell us about your weeks. Tell us how things are going. Uh, the you can reach out to us and send us emails and questions at the following social media locations. You can like our page our page on Twitter. Uh, you can go to or you can follow us on Twitter. You can go to facebook.com slash devils pod and like our page. You can email us at the devils at gmail.com or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the devils Drew, that being said, we do have some emails. All right. Uh, First off, Mr. Cyrus Moore, friend of the show. Greetings, gentlemen. Hope you are well. My email this week will be relatively simple. I'd just like to congratulate you on having what appears to be a mighty fine football team this year. I'm sure it feels like a long time coming. I'd say there's a good chance we see your team in Kansas City come playoff time. Drew, I'm not going to lie. It's been a lot of fun watching the Buffalo Bills play football. I haven't been witness to a good Buffalo Bills team since I was a lad, a wee, a wee boy. So this is all new to me. Um, I've been something of a, a hmm. What's the best? I wouldn't. I, I don't want to say a hater of the Buffalo Bills, but I've I've long given up and been a realist. I've been very real for a very long time about this team. I mean, they had that 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 drought. The playoff drought was was just. I mean, that's if yeah. if, if I, I had no illusions about the team, okay, for a long, 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 long time. I approached every yeah. game like a comedy, and I was never disappointed, even in the in the worst of times. So you know, that's where I kind of was. Now it's like, you know what? I think they're good. And even like the first two weeks, they played Miami and in, in, in the Jets, and it was like, well, how good are those teams anyway? But now they've played a couple teams that are actually supposed to be on paper anyway real teams, good teams. And they've come out uh ahead. Now that the LA game there's definitely some cause for concern, but they but they won that game. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of stress, a lot of fun. Um and then uh the Raider game, the Raiders again are supposed to be a good team and the Bills handled them pretty easily. So um yeah, I think the Bills might be a actual good team and that's a lot of fun. And this is a new concept for me. So I'm just kind of enjoying it while it's while it's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and um yeah we're enjoy- we're enjoying it while we're la- while last we're buffalonians we have no uh illusions that you know this is a thing like you know i'm gonna enjoy the ride balls here i mean I, I, i'm not i'm not predicting this but there's always that outside chance that they like you know go on a, a ridiculous six game losing streak or something like that it's it's of course it, it yeah. has happened before but i don't feel like that's going to happen this time but 
Yes, but but, but again, for start for us is not unheard of. It's rare. It's not unheard of, and all those seasons have ended in calamity. Exactly. So, yeah, but, but we are. But it fe- doesn't it feel a little different this time? It does feel a little different, but we are still guarding our hearts. Absolutely. Oh, oh, I have armor, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and um, we're you- gonna we're gonna see because um, the Bills do have to play. Kansas City in a couple weeks and that you know uh if you were to tell me that before the season I would automatically say Kansas City is going to absolutely decimate the Bills and now I'm not as uh, now I'm not so sure I I don't feel they will decimate the Bills but I still feel they will win That's a fair assessment but I'm not as as cynical about that game as I would have been a few weeks ago Right neither am I which is wild, so, which is, which is wild to say. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And it almost feels bad that, that Brady is no longer in new England. Cause like, cause that's the measuring stick. Eh. But like, what, know, new England or if Brady. We, if, if we win the division this year, I'd be like, yeah, we were good and we won, but also Brady wasn't in new England. I mean, so. that's a good thing. That means, I mean, that's, that's, that's the, look, ultimately that's the luck of the NFL schedule. Like the bills had the unfortunate distinction of playing in division with a team that dominated for nearly two decades. So other divisions what? didn't have that. So, Hey, he's someone else's problem now. So I'm perfectly, yeah. I'm perfectly fine with that. All righty. So, yeah. Fun times. Thank you very much, Cyrus. Now on to Mr. J. Gelsomino. Jay writes us, Drew and Carl, if you could see a big screen movie in a different, air quotes, different type setting, what would it be? To clarify, mine would be watching Jaws while in an inner tube on a lake or wave pool. Oh, so like a drive-in substitute. Kind of. Yeah, okay. Hmm. I don't know. I, you know, the thing with movies for me is like, I can enjoy them basically anywhere, but I think the reason why a theater has, you know, persisted for all this time is there is something magical about a communal experience with a piece of, you know, media, be it, um, you know, a movie or, a you know, a live concert in a theater just with other people you know, kind of experiencing the same thing. There's just something about that. That is, uh, I don't know. It, it works. I know, I know, you know, we got to deal with people on their phones and we got to deal with people talking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know all the drawbacks, but you know what, when it, it, it made the rounds on Twitter, like that, that, that end scene of, of Avengers Endgame when cap gets the hammer spoilers, by the way, and everyone like roars and that someone filmed it on their phone, you know, and like it, that was, yeah. that was a thing on Twitter a few months ago. Cause everyone needed like a pick me up from the, the, the COVID depression that we're all stuck in. Yeah. The, the now, portal scene on the, your left. Side. Right. And like, well, and that and the, and the, the Thor's hammer scene as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that, that's what I'm talking about. Like if I, if they just released that video on demand and you got to see that in your house. Yeah. I jump off the couch and stream too, but like, it's not the same as being in that room with all the people having that exact same reaction at the exact same time. You know what I mean? Um, you, we're, humans are simple creatures in the end. And like there, there's something to be said for that, that, that group hive mind taking over in a moment like that. Yeah. 
Um, I think for mine, I would probably, I, I think it'd be a lot of fun to watch uh, Jurassic Park in a, in a, in a museum among a dinosaur exhibit. Interesting. Because at some point, your mind's going to start to play tricks on you. <laughs> and you're going to be looking at the exhibit and be like, that thing just move. <laughs> you know what would be kind of fun, though? Um, maybe watching something like Ghostbusters in one of the actual locations of the film. In the firehouse? In the firehouse or in the hotel like, where they where, you know, they had their first big, uh, their first call. Or, you know, something something like that. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Close off the street, just project on the side of the firehouse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which they, which they could do. It is on the corner. All right. So, uh, Jay's question to you. Drew, have you climaxed at all yet? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. I have not partaken in the G1 Climax tournament as of yet. And um, I keep meaning to try and catch up, but... Uh, it, it's hard with everything going on and you know life so um, i'm going to try and catch up to like the best matches um all i know so far is ishii is having the greatest matches overall so f- i mean just from what i've heard um as he should ishii is so underrated and so so undervalued in njpw guys th- th- he has he never has a bad match with anyone ever he's so good um but by all accounts, it's been a really fun tournament so far, and I look forward to seeing how it all shakes out. I will try my best to catch up to some some of the the high high rated matches of it anyway at some point. All right, yeah. Uh, Jay's question to me: What is the worst thing in Transformers Earth Wars? Uh, three day wait for a building to finalize, getting just boost after boost after boost when your crystal pulls are using premium shards. Or using premium shards of some type and getting hit with a duplicate. Um, I think for me, the worst possible thing that can happen is to pull a two-star character on a shard when I already have that same character in three stars. Because they don't count it as duplicate, so you don't even get the uh, the bonus for the duplicate. So, yeah. All right. Drew's very confused right now. That's, He's like, I have no fine. idea what you're Keep on trucking, sir. Uh, All right, moving on to Mr. Adam Williams. Uh, I will keep it simple this week, fellas. Just recently dove into Mario 3D All-Stars and have been loving playing these old Mario games. So that got me thinking, what is your favorite Mario game of all time? Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm notoriously bad at this kind of thing. He's not asking for a list. He's just asking for one. I know, but that's I I can't I I, I can't pick one. I could give you a, you know a top. I could I could give you a handful that I would say are my favorites, plural, um, and that would be uh, uh, Mario three, um, Mario. See, this is hard, man. Mario three for sure. Uh, 64 feels like it wants to be there, but there's, I don't know if, I don't know. Um, Mario three galaxy and new super Mario 3d world. Those are my top three. Boom. Ask me, ask me to pick one of them. Uh, I, I don't know that I could. 
I was uh, prior to Squadrons. I was playing through Galaxy, and it was I never played it before, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience, isn't it? Though, beautiful game, and beautiful game. I will get back to it at some point. Uh, the one thing I the one thing I did not like about Galaxy though is the motion control boards. Yep, yep, yep. I you are yep. <laughs> I know all Can too well. Not stand. Yep, they were bad then, and I doubt they've aged well. That's why I was a little confused and upset that they didn't include um, Galaxy Two in that collection because it was basically like Galaxy One, everything good about it. And they got rid of some of those annoying motion controlled stuff and just doubled down on the good stuff. But alas. So, but I think, and maybe I'm a victim of recent recency bias, but I think my favorite Mario game of all time is probably going to be Odyssey. Interesting. I, uh, that, that game was just magical. I, I enjoy it. Although I've gone back to play it recently and I'm, I don't know. There's something about it. I'm not, quite as into um the collectathon mentality with it just kind of i don't know uh well, gal has that they well, no they definitely anything post 64 has that but like odyssey took it to an, an absurd degree where there were just like dozens of of the um moons or whatever per their moons right I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Dozens of those things per level. Whereas like in, you know, in 64, there was five or six stars per, per level, um, getting to, getting you to a total of 120. Um, Odyssey though, is just like, there's, there's hundreds plural of those things. And it, it, I don't know. It takes a little bit of the, I don't, it's not the challenge. It's not the novelty. It, it, I don't know. It just feels like more of a chore than a, a, I don't know that I'm, I'm shooting from the hip here. I'm not sure what I'm, I'm trying to say, but well, at least it wasn't required. No, 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 them all. no. And I will say that the ending of, um, Odyssey is one of the greatest experiences, uh, in Mario history. Full stop. Now are we talking about the ending of the game or the ending of the new donk city board. Um, the ending, uh, which is the one where you go through, like the song is playing and you're you're going yep, through 2D and 3D and like it, it, it that's like, the end of the new Donk City board. That was just magical. Yes, magical experience. And even Probably. even the end of the game where you spoilers where you possess, <laughs> you possess Bowser and you go smashing through stuff too. Like just just wonderful wonderful <laughs> moments of that game. Yeah, but that new Donk City uh, climax was just. Uh, Man, what a what an excellent love letter to Mario and his history, right? Just in that in that encapsulated really moment, it, it really was. I will give it that for sure. So, all right, Adam, thank you very much for that. That brings our emails to a close. Now, let us move on to the news. Uh, Drew had a lot of stuff going on the past couple weeks. First and foremost, we got a full blown trailer for WandaVision. We did. And uh, to the surprise of no one, it looks great. It looks really great, actually. I'm I'm all the way in on whatever this thing is going to be. Um, now, I hesitate there. Oh, because between this, uh, 
Multiverse of Madness, which we will get at some point. Uh-huh. And another thing that's being mentioned in another news story we're going to cover. Uh-huh. I am kind like, don't get me wrong, trust in Feige, trust what Feige's doing. But, like, I'm kind of like, don't, maybe not so much with this. But, hey, anyway, I digress. We'll get to that when we get to that story. Um, yeah, WandaVision looks incredible. Yeah, um, the the whole, you know, sitcom, like, micro world or whatever, and Vision realizing yeah. that he's he's in this thing, but he's supposed to be dead, and how, what's real, what's not. Yeah, right. okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here for this. I'm here for all I'm, of it. I'm guessing that each episode will be framed as a sitcom from a different era. That will be a rather brilliant approach if they do that, and um, I can't wait to see how it goes. Yeah, like I think, like at the end of each episode, like it's it's possible that each episode is a reality that Wanda's trying to create, mm-hmm. where she gets a happily ever after with Vision. Yep, and because she's a child in Zarkovia, and they like obviously they're you know their television their television from America is so far behind. She grew up with shows that someone her age normally wouldn't grow up with like Donna Reed family ties, like yep. 60, 50, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s shows. And so she attempts to create a reality where vision is alive and she attempts to create it in the vein of these shows she knows. And at the end of each episode, the reality crumbles in on itself, causing her to have to reshape it and start over and try again. I'm very curious to see how this is going to uh, last, what kind of lasting impact it's going to leave for, um, for Wanda. Um, I'm, I'm very curious to see if I was right at all, because as I'm saying it, I'm like, that sounds like a really good idea for a show. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, 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 we'll see if you're right. But um, that aspect of it combined with the multiverse of madness, Dr. Strange movie, title i wonder if they're setting up a wanda heel turn here but that remains to be seen possible possible like i mean her her power level was definitely on display in endgame where she went toe-to-toe with thanos yeah by herself and i think barely this is also an opportunity to clarify just what those powers are because it's it's always been vague in the movies unfortunately um so yeah let's let's see where it goes but the trailer was certainly um super intriguing to me so i'm i'm ready to see where they go so now moving on to kind of piggyback off this into the other story i was talking about um it's been confirmed this week drew that we're getting electro in well not like 100 percent confirmed but every kind of legitimate news outlet for this type of thing is reporting it uh-huh. that we're getting electro in the uh tom holland third spider-man film home whatever the the name is going to be yes. uh and not only are we getting Electro, we're getting Jamie Foxx as Electro. Folks, for those of you who, who probably know, uh, Jamie Foxx has already played Electro in Amazing Spider-Man 2, a film that 
while there are some great moments in it and there are some things that they got more right than pretty much any other spider-man film has done the film itself is extremely flawed and not not all that great um and his electro is one of the things that's commonly pointed to as being uh one of the bad things about the film now drew if you're going to come to me and you're going to say that you know feige says hey you know what we want to do electro jamie fox is an incredible actor which he is and we're just going to give him another shot at it. We're going to reboot the character. We'll put him in the green and yellow suit. I'd be like, you know what? Great. Fantastic. Go. Go for it. Do it. I look forward to seeing what you're doing. But apparently Jamie Foxx sent out a Twitter and said that, and this, this tweet was, I guess, taken down quick. Something to the uh, effect of that this is going to be the beginnings of a live-action Spider-Verse. I don't which I, I don't which indicates a merging of the two and Drew no no and that's going back to like kind of what I'm thinking with WandaVision and Multiverse of Madness that kind of opens the door for this type of thing this this is very weird to me and I don't know why they're doing it to be honest um like what's the I don't know what I doubt. Yeah, what am I? I have a lot of thoughts, and I'm they're all collapsing into each other right now, and I'm not sure what I'm trying to get at. If Marvel wants to do the multiverse, that's fine. Um, but the weird thing is, it's it's slowly dawned on me like how the Spider-Man movies in the MCU are not necessarily critical to the mcu and i think that's by design because of the because of the sony deal so i still kind of think of them as sony movies and honestly they probably are sony movies from from the top down in terms of production and who's in charge outside of the fact that they get to use the marvel um mcu stuff and include So, um, and I'm sure Feige, you know, is very strict on how that stuff can go and how it can be used. So I don't know that Feige's going to want to hitch his wagon to that too deeply. Um, I, I, this all, it's, it's weird. Why, why do it? Like, why go back to the well on that? Um, there has to be a bigger reason at play obviously otherwise you know they wouldn't do it but um this is very strange to me uh especially when you have a a, a several numerous villains that could still be introduced into a spider-man movie that we have not seen before um yeah i mean craven is right there dude come on um craven uh uh Doctor, well, Doctor Octopus, there did. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot. There's enough. Um, there's, there's enough of them yeah. that they could be, that could be done. Um, but we're not. I guess we're not Cra- getting that. Craven's kind of the last of the top tier. He is, yeah. yeah uh, chameleon, true. if you want him, you know. I think if you do Craven, you do Chameleon in the same move. Sure, sure. But because um, they're together. Um, I, I, I don't know. It, it's. It's just strange. You don't want to Green Goblin do Hobgoblin. Right, right. Um, I just find it weird. Like I said, 
Yeah, I, I have no problem with Jamie Foxx being in a Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Jamie Foxx is a fantastic character. I like his work. I have no problem with Jamie Foxx being in the next Spider-Man film. Give him, you know, give him another character to be and whatnot. And, but again, if you're telling me that Kevin Feige just likes him and wants to give him our crack at the character and they're going to reboot it, fine. But, like, I don't know. This thing's making my Peter my Peter tingle go off, Drew. Like I said, there's got to be a bigger play here that we just, you know, we need clarification on. Um, it, I, just, I just think it brings up... Like, people going crazy for J.K. Simmons returning is one thing. That's a beloved character, and, and, and to be fair, a beloved minor character from a beloved... Um, series of films you know say what yeah. you want about spider-man 3 but one and two were you know unimpeachable well i yeah. mean i can well, i can i can, yeah. I, I can impeach <laughs> i can impeach them but but they're but they're beloved you know what i mean they're products of their time but they are beloved films and jk Sim, jk simmons part in that is certainly unimpeachable yeah um, he is he owned that character right so you so you bring Spider-Man. you want like bringing him back is is one thing right but Jamie Foxx's Electro, like, I'm sorry, but there wasn't enough meat on that bone for me to be like, you know what? He was really, uh, he deserves another kick at that can. No, like, let's just leave that alone. Let's put that back where it was. I don't need to see uh, Batman Forever Riddler again in uh, in another movie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're not going to see any Batman Riddler until 2022. Well, yeah, I, yeah. But I mean, we all kind of knew that was coming. Um, anyway, I, hey, Feige has steered us right this long, but um, I, and so I'm not trying to question the man. I just question, I, I don't know how much of this is his say, more or less. We'll, we'll, we will, we will see. Okay. Yes, we, we will see. Uh, couple more points here and again these are this is all on disney plus series we are getting a nick fury disney plus series sure samuel jackson <laughs> sure Return. why not why not all the series everybody gets a series carl the name of that show agents of shield <laughs> no relation he was in an episode of that i, I know i know <laughs> um and then we have uh, a casting for Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, uh, for the, the Disney Plus series. Iman Vellani has been cast as Miss Marvel. Now, Drew, I'm not familiar with this actress Nor am I, or sir. any of her work. I am not extremely familiar with Miss Marvel outside of the Champions book that I read for a stretch. Um, I understand this character is beloved and. You know, people really have grown attached to her in a short amount of time. So I'm very happy that that those fans are getting what I'm assuming will be a quality treatment of the character in the Disney Plus series. Um, so yeah, Agreed. more. No, I, more I, Dis- I second all of that. Yeah, more Disney Plus Marvel series. Um, I mean, I was about to say it's a good thing, but. We haven't seen any yet, so yeah. Well, let's 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 wait and see what they got to, sh- to show for themselves. But um, yeah. So uh, a friend of mine said he read an article. So take all this for what you will. It's first time that uh, the reason the 
Falcon and the the Winter Soldier have as keeps getting pushed back as far as it has is because apparently there's a major Black Widow spoiler in it. I see. Well, so that could be that makes sense. That's plausible. Yeah. At the same time, guys, can we just edit it out, maybe? Unless it's crucial to the plot. Yeah. It's like, come on. Yeah, that's tough. That's a tough spot to be in. Um, yeah. I know, that, again, I, I, everything I said about the theater experience stands, but, you know, at the same time, they, these companies do need to start getting real about, you know, the, the realities of, of that experience in, in the coming year or years. Um, it might not be coming back, at least not in the United States, because, you know, we're, you know. Yeah. Eh. Anyway. Um, anyway. Uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I hope we see it sooner than later. Um, then again, maybe, a, again, maybe a break from all of this is just what we need. And when the time is right and they do release new Falcon and Winter Soldier stuff and Black Widow, we'll be ready to get together with some old friends again and it'll make everything kind of better. Absence does make the heart grow fonder. Indeed. Um, so, okay, that does it for our news, unless you can think of anything. Um, no, no, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Okay. So what are the, uh, the main course of the show this week is going to be is Drew, you had sent, um, our group chat that we have with Alan, who has been conspicuously absent from the emails. Um, hmm. an article from bleeding cool in which, uh, Punisher creator, Jerry Conway kind of had a statement to make on the comic book industry and its current incarnation. Mm-hmm. And I found this to be really an interesting article and I wanted to discuss it in further on the show because it kind of goes along with a lot of what we have been talking about multiple different times about the comic book industry. So to familiarize our listeners with this, um, it's not incredibly long. I'm just going to read it. Okay. And okay? you might want to give uh, Jerry Conway's bona fides on, on when you, uh, before you, you get into it. You are much more familiar with him than I am. Have at it, sir. Uh, Jerry Conway is a comics. Do I want to say legend? I mean, he he's he's a he's a long time pro. Okay, uh, he wrote the death of Gwen Stacy. Um, he created the Punisher. Um, he created Jason Todd, Killer Croc. Uh, he wrote Justice League. He he wrote um, the first. Uh, major uh crossover between marvel and dc that being the superman versus spider-man um just just a, a you know he's a comics man and he's been in the game a long time and he's seen a thing or two and he knows a thing or two and um jerry conway is is more or less you know one of the few few i don't want to say one of the few but he is one of the living legends that that are still with us and that we should you know celebrate when when he speaks, we should listen. Yeah, he again. He, the guy's done it all, and he's he's. Hey, if you write the if you if you do the death of Gwen Stacy, you have my attention. Okay, you're you've you've done some yeah. notable things in this industry. So, he arguably, and this probably goes to 
probably shame on me for not knowing him as well as I should, because he wrote arguably the quintessential story of my favorite character. Correct. Um, so, the article. These are the words of Jerry Conway. To state the obvious, comic book publishing is in serious trouble with a business model that almost literally has no future. Yet comic books are a source of intellectual property for exploitation in all sorts of popular media and have never, ever had greater potential. So why is this? Why do comics as a storytelling form, superhero or otherwise, have such an enormous impact on popular culture, but comic book publishers are struggling to survive? Why are publishers almost universally failing to succeed at actual publishing? My basic answer is they're pursuing the wrong market, and they've been doing so with increasing desperation since the late 1970s. Let's put aside the incredible business stupidity of depending on a single distribution method, direct sales to single audience comic book stores. The problem is bigger. The definite, the defined audience for mainstream comics is an audience that by definition constantly shrinks. For a variety of self-enforcing reasons, publishers have defined the primary audience for mainstream comics as, in effect, long-term fans and potential collectors. Hence, fan-oriented navel-gazing continuity, triannual events, in quotes, reboots, collector-oriented variant covers, etc. Every single one of these marketing ploys is designed solely to appeal to existing readers, even reboots, obstinately intended to offer jumping-on points to new readers, actually require familiarity with previous iterations to provide interest. New readers aren't welcomed by existing creative strategy at the two mainstream publishers. If anything, new readers are actually discouraged by the publishers frantic pursuit of motivated existing readership the clubhouse is closed stay out publishers of course will disagree with this analysis and say they're always trying to provide on ramps to new readers but any serious look at what they're offering in the main reveals a decided tilt in fact a massive tilt toward privileging the existing readership and this makes sense in a way because of the cultural creative shift in the editorial direction of publishing houses that can be traced back to the era I'm from, the late 60s and early 70s. In the mid-1960s, around 1967, DC Comics offered a weekly tour of their offices during the summer. I went on that tour, and like others, Len Wein and Marv Wolfman among them became a regular. At one point, I had a conversation with then-editor Julie Schwartz. We were talking about a Green Lantern story, and I made some fanboy comment about what I'd hoped would happen. Julie paused and looked at me. How old are you? Fourteen, I said. He snorted. Too old. You're not my reader. And he walked off. I later learned that at DC, and also at Marvel, in the 1960s, the commonly accepted view of the comic book readership was a kid, undoubtedly male, between the ages of 9 and 13. What today's book publishers would call middle-grade readers. 
This makes sense. If we're honest about it, the basic root appeal of superhero stories is to that part of ourselves that lives in the pre-sexualized, pre-adolescent dream state in which anything is possible. It's the world of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or Philosopher's Stone, if you want to be pedantic, young adults and adults can enjoy superhero stories, too even want those stories to evolve and mature, just as the Potter books have evolved and matured. But, 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 regardless of what appeal the first Potter book might have for older and existing readers, its primary readership was intended to be and remains middle grade 8 to 12. And the same used to be true for comics, particularly superhero comics, until my generation came along until my generation came along. Yeah, we boomers effed it up as usual. <laughs> when I and my cohorts replaced the creatives who had given the comic book in this, the comic book business massive success in the nineteen sixties, folks like Stan Lee and Julie Schwartz, we brought with us our boomer self obsession. We didn't care we didn't want to create comics for kids. We wanted comics for us. The origin of the comic book superhero shift from middle grade readership in the 60s to young adult readership in the 70s and adult readership in the 90s and beyond. The refusal of boomer creatives and editors like myself and others to let it go. We redefined the readership comics were aimed at, coinciding with a shift in distribution that allowed that redefinition to stick. The result is dead the result is a dead end for comic book publishing as a business. How would I change this? I'd cancel every existing superhero comic book and publish a new limited line for middle grade readership. Simplify characters and storylines and eliminate every event that requires more than a passing familiarity with the basic simplified continuity. 10 to 15 titles. For existing readers, I'd offer a separate higher-priced graphic novel line with whatever expanded adult storylines creators and readers wanted to explore. But this would be separate, not monthly, not the, main, not the mainstream. And I'd do everything possible to get monthly comics in the supermarkets and movie theaters and Walmart and Target and Costco and offer subscription services through Amazon. Pursue every alternate distribution avenue possible. The present course taken by the majority major publishers is a dead end. They're pursuing the wrong readership. There's a bigger audience out there. We just have to welcome them. And that's the end of the article. I mean, I cannot argue with any of that. <laughs> he, he, I can't either. He, he hit the nail on the head. And, you know, and we say this as, as guys that are, clearly out of the age range that he wants to target. And obviously we still, we still love comics and we love our adult targeted comics, but at the same time, he is 1000% right about making it a sustainable business for the future. And we've talked about this before, you know, the, the comic shop is a place that it's not a friendly place. You know that you and I know that. Right. Um, Certain shops, certain shops, but, but I mean, overall the, I mean, that's the reputation of the comic shop in popular culture for even like, come on, man. Comic book guy was, is on the Simpsons for a reason, you know? Yeah. Um, like 
it's like you said, the, the, the door is closed. No, you know, whatever you're not allowed or whatever. Um, it's true. You know, this stuff is fairly impenetrable and, uh, it's hard for newcomers to jump on and it's especially hard to get them to jump on when they don't even know where they can get the stuff. So yeah, I, 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 I don't know if his uh, strategy going forward would, you know, even work to cater to the youth of today. I don't know, but it's it's better. It's a better idea than what the industry seems to want to do. Um, everyone wanted to poo-poo DC doing that Walmart deal, but like, I don't know. I thought that was pretty smart in a way. Um, yeah. You know, you, you, the collectors might poo-poo it and say that the stuff's going to get battered on the shelf at Walmart, and you know, and that's true. That's not, you know, you're probably not going to find stuff in the condition you would in a comic shop, but that's not what it's there for. It's there for people to get and read, and and you know, that's what the industry has to do. They got to find new readers and and hook them, especially young ones. So, um. Yeah, I mean, I I want to give a big old plus one to everything that Jerry Conway had to say, and I I I hope someone read that and is listening to some degree. I'm not saying to shutter the comic shops and to stop, you know, the 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 mature readers stuff and whatnot, but yeah, the the industry does need to think about the future for sure because it's it won't last forever. <laughs> Yeah, and this is definitely something that we've touched on a lot in the past. Um, I've always said that in order for comic books to begin to grow again and not just survive, that they need to get the books into... They need to do two things. One, they need to reduce the price of the books and get them into mainstream retailers. Uh, like you said, Walmart, Tar- Target, Costco convenience stores, Barnes and Noble, anywhere where you can get them in where a periodical is sold, get them in there. Yep. Like, you know how they got that end cap of the checkout aisle, the grocery store. Yep. There should be comics like, on that thing. Everything from our waist down should be comic books at no higher than $2 a book. Yeah. That's going to be tough. And nowadays, but, like, but I agree. You need to like, and you know what? Here's here's the best news. Kids don't care about premium paper. No, no. Do you care about premium paper when you were a kid and reading it? No, you cared about the content. You cared about the story. You cared about the artwork. I didn't know any sure, better. Yeah, sure. The artwork looks better on premium paper, but you know what? That's not that's that's not what's going to hook the kid. I mean, it's part of it, but it's not like the end all be all of it. And I really think, like, I've been thinking about this a lot, and like, I got I got my books this past week, and like, I read the main Batman title, and right now uh, the storyline is the Joker War, and <clears throat> so Joker in this one has um, acquired all of Bruce Wayne's assets uh, as as wealth his company all that stuff and has basically just become like he's he's doing what someone like that with that resources would do it's like it's a question of you know what what if the batman that old question of like what if bruce wayne did not have those resources 
And they're saying, okay, we're going to address that question. We're going to take the resources where you gave them the Joker. So there's like, there's a splash panel in the most recent issue where like, like Gotham city is just on fire mm-hmm. and there's, there's clowns running around. Like people are getting killed left and right. And I, I'm just reading this. I'm like, you've taken this to such an extreme. You've had to take this to such an extreme because of escalation and all these other things over the years that this is no longer believable, even in a comic book world. <laughs> yeah. I like, hear you. Forget, forget a real world. If you're, if you're telling me that something like this is a fairly regular occurrence in Gotham city, which it is, who is ever going to live there? Even in a comic book world. Like, and it's just, and so many of them have gone to just such an extreme. And one of the things that I would probably do is, is say like, you know, okay, you're going to re-gear towards younger readers. And you know what? The technology in any of these books can never be more than 10 years advanced than what's on the market. Because remember when it was like actually an event? When a superhero or something like the Avengers or something would go into space. Yeah. Yeah. Now they basically just have like teleporters and an elevator that can just go up to space. Yeah. Like it's so far to an extreme that that's one thing that really stuck out to me. The, the other thing that stuck out to me is that I've noticed that mainstream stories in like Marvel and DC have in, in recent years have been having less and less impact on me as far as like what I can remember and what I still recall is good or whatnot. Whereas like, I can still tell you about stories from like amazing Spider-Man or Batman from when I was a kid, because it was the first time I'd heard those stories. And I'm starting to think that there's a cycle that these characters, these especially these mains, these top tier mainstream characters, kind of go through in your in your life. I'm referring to myself and yourself and, and our listeners, that like if you get to a certain point, there's no new stories to be told. You're just re you're just rehashing old stories with a with a new gloss on them, yeah, or a new twist here and there. And I'm finding that like, you know, there's, and it's why I'm thankful for companies like Image, whereas like so much stuff that Image does is is creative and inventive, and and everything they're doing. Dear Lord, can we please get Saga back soon? Uh, uh, man, now that you say it, oh my God, I, thought, I, I, I don't want to say I forgot about it, but God, you're right. It's, it has been yeah. a minute. So it's like, you know, I, I'm reading this this book, this Batman issue and this Joker War thing going on. And I'm reading, I'm like, I've read this before. I've read this maybe two times before. The most memorable time was the Nightfall series. This is kind of just that with a different, like, how many times can Gotham City go to hell? You know, how many times can can Peter almost get the girl but then lose her? How many times can he be short on his rent? Yeah, yeah. You know, how, Ultimately, how long can Aunt May stay alive? And it's just like, 
Yeah, no, you're kind of, you're t- I, I hear you completely. I mean, ultimately, all this stuff with comics, in, in a way, dude, if you think about it, it all happened by accident. Like, the ongoing stories, like, I don't know that they were ever designed to go this long. They weren't designed to go this long, but they just kind of, like, became a big popular thing, and now they kind of have to go this long because they're an institution. But, you know... Every story has to have an ending, man. And there's only, like you said, there's only there's only so many stories to tell. Eventually, with 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 these characters, I, I say that as as someone who loves these characters. But you know, at a certain point, there's only so much they have to say, and then you're just repeating the same things ad nauseum um, to, to, to to diminishing returns. So how about you find closure with them? You, if you've made your point, you've said your piece, you've you've told you've you know, maybe learn some lessons and, and, and stuff along the way, then wrap it up and its legacy will be secured forever. And then, you know, pick it up down the road with a new interpretation or, or, or something. Dare I say a reboot? Um, I don't know. I don't have the answer for exactly, but it, it come like, you know, you know me, dude. I love just case in point daredevil. Yeah. How many times can this guy's life be, completely built up and torn apart again over and over it 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 it, it defies any and all credulity that it's possible you know what i mean yeah. it, it just my suspension of disbelief is completely non-existent at this point um especially with some of the stuff going on in that book now but i i don't i don't know i don't know i'm just kind of rambling yeah. now i i i think that like you're you're not wrong, but at the same time, like kind of going back to the cycle that I was talking about, and then also what what the article is talking about. So, like, there are things that you and I are reading right now that we've read two or three times before in different form, right? Mm, yeah. So, but at the same time, the argument the argument can be made that well, for a quote unquote new reader. This is the first time they've read that. Well, so there's a so there's a purpose to those stories kind of being more or less recycled, but but they're not the reading them though. Men- yeah, as the article mentioned, we're not bringing in new readers. Right. There's there there there's nobody new reading that third iteration of Peter, you know, gets dumped by girl. Like it's 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 been done a zillion times and at this point it's just it's just play it's playing to the people who are already familiar with the trope, you know? It's comfort right. it's comfort food almost. Um I you know eh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really sure where to where to go with it. Um you know, because the alternative is like, okay, well, cancel every title. Captain America's gone. Spider-Man's gone. Daredevil's gone. Like, and that sounds yeah. kind of scary, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but you will have, number one, they have decades of stories that are going to be available to people forever. But number two, yeah. you know, a story has to have an ending ultimately, you know, and look at the MCU. Um, because unfortunately, actors don't live forever like comic book characters do and they had to kind of come up with an endpoint because people were gonna get too old for their roles or bail out or whatnot and what how many times have we said on you know about endgame like you know what endgame feels like a like 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 the end 
and it's going to keep going and we're going to watch all the new stuff but like it everybody pretty much got a nice little arc wrapped up and that feels okay lessons were learned characters had you yeah. know had had their arcs and it feels like you know what that's their story and i'm okay with it being over and it will live forever yeah. that that will live forever it doesn't have to keep going ad nauseum what you gave me is enough yeah and when you say an ending it doesn't mean that the character themselves have to end no. just the story the story of that character like you know the story of batman can end with him standing on a rooftop looking over gotham city because we know even like even if those that format doesn't continue that character would still be doing that one form or another Mm -hmm. so when you say the story sn doesn't mean that every character has to die no 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 it just it just means that you know it's time to to move on from this interpretation, this this form of this story, onto other things. Right, right. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. And it's really tough because, you know, I've, I've experienced, and I'm sure you have as well, a lot of different comic book shops in our time. And, you know, I've, I've sung the praises of, of Pulp 716 as being kind of, you know, a new breed of comic book shop that is really doing things different and seems to be doing things well. Um, other shops are, their, their customer base is essentially generational. And, you know, it, they depend on, you know, a father or mother bring their kid in to introduce them to, you know, that world. Yep. Yep. And because, because they have their father and mother there with them and their father and mother is, um, a, a customer, a, a regular customer of that store, they'll be welcomed in with open arms because they have that generational connection. Whereas if it's some kid who just walks in off the street, doesn't necessarily know what they're looking for god forbid if it's a girl you know (laughs) might not have that same guidance and whatnot and i want to be clear i'm not mentioning i'm not talking about any one shop in specific i'm talking about a type of shop um and i know that you and i have both experienced those types of shops like i said the comic book guy on the simpsons is a trope for a reason and that and he was introduced 30 years ago, (laughs) you know, it's a thing. It's very much a thing. Um, comic shops are not necessarily the, the, the best of environments. There's great ones, but again, it's a trope for a reason. So anyway, I, I digress. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of questions out there to which, uh, we may have answers to, but the eternal problem drew is those in charge to make the changes and powers of be, they, they don't listen to us, even though they should. I'm curious if any of our listeners have any thoughts on this topic at all. So I would encourage them to get in touch if they have something to say about this, if they have ideas, if they have, you know, they disagree, what have you bring it on. By all means, dear listener, if you have thoughts on this, if you have questions or thoughts that you want to share and have them right on the show, I got some places you can go to express those thoughts. 
Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Devils Do Pod. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Devils Do Pod. You can email us at the Devils Do Pod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources available to you at our website, the Devils Do Podcast.com. Drew, I believe that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Um, any final thoughts? Um, no, <laughs> no, not really. Um, fun discussion tonight, though. I, I really enjoyed it. So, yes, indeed. Um, folks, if you have the means, and given the digital age we live in, you have the means. After you hear this, go plop on Van Halen song. Raise a glass, tip a hat to Eddie Van Halen. Um, my personal suggestion would be run around from from awful carnal knowledge just because it's my favorite track off my favorite album. Um, all right, folks, it's going to do it tonight. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again soon. 